You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Clint Wright. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday's service now. Because today marks a shift in Paul's writing to the church of Colossae. He has spent the first two chapters uh, pushing back against false teaching. And he's trying, he was building for two chapters this idea of what is true. We saw things like the preeminence or the superiority of Christ over all things. He talked about believers' new identity in Christ. And this is a phrase he uses often that you have been buried with him and raised with him. And we're going to see that even today. He talks about the truth that Christ sets believers free from sin and death. And for two chapters, he has been teaching and wanting them to know what is true, what to believe. Well, today he moves into the last two chapters, or really the, the practical application of all that he has said in the first two chapters. And I would call this the coaching section. From belief to action. Because all these truths, now here's how we should live. That what we say we believe is seen in how we live. Belief and action and the two cannot be separated. And so that's what Paul is going to do today. But if you were to meet someone that came to know Christ, a new believer, I'm wondering what would be maybe the top three things we would tell them, because this is now true about you, you need to now live this way. I wonder what our top three things would be. Well, the good news is we get to see straight from Paul what his are. In fact, this morning we're going to cover the first two, and the next week will be the third one. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 today. I want to read it, we'll pray, and then we'll see what God has in store for us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let his saints hear. Let's pray. Father, we have just read your eternal truth. It has always been true and it will always be true. So I pray this morning as we walk through these four verses to see the first two of Paul's uh, coaching tips to the believers at the churches in Colossae that, Lord, we need to know this is still true and has application for us today. So I pray that all truth would be heard and held high and anything false would fall on deaf ears. Lord, would you give us Eyes to see your truth this morning and ears to hear it and minds to understand it. And as Hillary prayed for hearts to believe it. So I ask all this in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. So let's back up to verse 1 and see the very first coaching tip. He says, 
if then, or it means since, or therefore. He's not saying if this is true, but because it is, since this is true, he's talking about something that is already true. And what is that? The truth is, you've been raised with Christ. It's one of Paul's kind of classic phrases that he uses all through this book. And he is talking about this unity that only believers can have with Christ. And notice what that truth is. You've been raised with him. That Christ not only died for us, that we died with him. And he's going to go on to say, he didn't just raise back to life. We have been raised with them. That he doesn't just save us and leave us as we were. He's saying what is true of Christ is also true of us. So because that is true, because you have been raised with Christ, he's going to now go from belief to action. Because this is true, the coaching tip number one he gives us is to pursue the right things. So since you have or therefore you've been raised with Christ, notice what he tells us to seek the things that are above. But what does he mean about that? Is he meaning that we should just look at the clouds and see what they say or read the stars and know that that's what we need to be thinking about? No, notice what he says. We are to seek the things above, and then he gives some more detail. Seek or pursue where Christ is. And where is he? He's seated at the right hand of God. So here's the picture Paul wants us to see. He wants us to see that Christ died, he's been raised. And where is he? He is seated at the right hand of God. He is seated that his work that the Father sent him to accomplish is completely done. And notice where he is. He's at his right hand. This is the picture that Christ is always fighting on our behalf. He is constantly interceding for us. When we sin, he says, yeah, Father, my blood covered that one. Men, when we're struggling, he's fighting on our behalf. He tells us that he is constantly praying for us. He is in the ear of the Father for us constantly. And Paul says you need to seek seek Christ and where he is. So think about it this way. Paul wants us to have feet on earth but value heaven. He wants us to live on earth from what is important in heaven because this is not our home. We are simply passing through. We are refugees that are waiting for our permanent home. And Christ says, because all this is true, seek that, that we need to make the most of our time here absolutely Before we are truly home. But the truth is. Life in this world. Will be better. Only better. If it's lived by the power and the value system. That is beyond this world. So Paul's coaching tip number one. He says pursue the things above. Pursue where Christ is. Think about what he is doing. Put our minds there knowing. That is our home. So he says, pursue the right things. Well, then in verse 2, he gives us his second coaching tip. 
He says, set your minds on the things that are above. So it's almost the same phrase. He says, seek the things, pursue the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he says, set your mind on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. So I would say it this way. His coaching tip number two is to think about the right things. We're to pursue the right things and we are to think about the right things. But look closely at that phrase. He says, set your mind, your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. So Paul can't be saying, don't ever think about things here. I mean, that would be absolutely impossible. So, you know, I say zebras and what are you thinking about? Zebras. He's not saying don't think about your house. We need to. Don't, don't think about your job. We need to. Our vehicles, our friends, our family. These are things we need to think about. So Paul can't be saying if it is here on earth, you should never think about it because that would be absolutely impossible. But the key is in the very first word where he says set. This word means to seek, to earnestly, passionately strive for something. It means to seek, to strive earnestly. What does he say? He's saying what we are focusing and seeking and striving, we need to be careful of the things that we are doing that in. So I had to stop and think this week. What do I focus on the most? What, what am I seeking? What am I earnestly striving for, especially in my mind, most of the time? Because here's what's so troubling. Do you know the average person will have 50,000 thoughts a day? So a day a third of the way over, you've already had 15 to 20,000 thoughts. Some are small. You know, which creamer am I going to put in my coffee? Some are big. How am I going to deal with this major problem or whatever it might be? But you, you and I will have 50,000 thoughts every single day. So it got me to thinking, what do we think about the most? And I found one survey. It gave me the top six things when they surveyed some people. These were the top six things that people thought about the most. The first one was this, who everyone else wants me to be. Number two was what I don't have. Number three, what I fear. Old mistakes, number four. Number five was old wounds. And number six, get this one, situations I have no control over. When they surveyed people, that is what they thought about the most. And so in God's sovereignty and stuff, on uh, I believe our first, my first Buffalo River trip, I was talking one night about this. And I used this illustration, I'm going to use it again, that thoughts, think of them like airplanes. In fact, they tell us that air traffic controllers, that that is one of the most stressful jobs in the world. There's all these planes that they're responsible for. They're worth millions of dollars. Thousands of people's lives are in their hands. Not to count the families that they then represent. And then any one time there can be 5,000 planes in the air. 
And there are people all over the world sitting in towers controlling which planes lands and which ones take off. So think about each and every day, you and I have 50,000 airplanes flying over our head. And the sad thing is, one study tells us that it estimates that 80% of those are negative thoughts. That we, we can't keep the planes, we can't keep the thoughts for coming. They're going to come and we can't stop that. But what we can do is decide which planes get to land and which ones we send somewhere else. In fact, on the trip this past week, this was so funny. Uh, Jace Mills was on that trip and it was like two nights later. And I can't believe he even remembered anything I said. And the devotional's over that night, whoever's leading it. And he says, uh, Mark, I have a plane I want to land. And I said, great, what is it? He said, it's time for dessert. <laughs> you know, that was a plane that he wanted to land. He wanted some dessert. But Martin Luther says it this way. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But you don't have to let it build a nest there. And isn't that so true? We can't keep thoughts from coming. They're going to flood our minds. We, we can't stop that. But we can decide to not let them stay there. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 tells us to take every thought captive. Every plane that flies over our head to take it captive to obey Christ. So let me just give us some examples of maybe how this could work out. Take sin and temptation. You know, every sin and every temptation, it always starts with a thought. And when that thought comes, then what do we do? We can't stop those thoughts from coming, but we take them captive to obey Christ. So one of the things we can do when sin or temptation, when that thought comes in our head, we have truth to fight against. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that God is faithful to always provide a way out. And then it's up to us to take it. To stop when that thought of sin or temptation comes, to take a moment and say, what would honor Christ most in this moment? Or what about sin and arguments and anger and fights? You know, most fights we have, they start in our head. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You get a phone call or something happens and, you know, you're about to head into it when you get home. And what do you do? You have the fight in your head on the way there. When they say this, I'm going to say this. And what are they going to say about this? And we have the thoughts in our heads. So one of the things we can do is don't let our minds run wild. Stop and give people the benefit of the doubt. Know that there's always a different perspective and work hard to understand that. Or stress and anxiety. Man, all that begins in a thought. But take those captive. Remind ourselves of what he says in John chapter 14 verse 27. That Christ wants us to have peace. We have hundreds of ways it talks about that Christ is always in control. There isn't anything that happens in my life that first doesn't pass through God's will. What about struggling with people's approval or self-image? To take those thoughts captive, to remind ourselves of how Christ sees us. To think about what we'd want to tell our children or grandchildren about who they are and actually preach those truths to ourselves. 
So Paul's coaching tip number one, he says, pursue the right things. And then he says, think about the right things. And what's so great about Paul's uh, coaching tips is he shows us how this is even possible. He's going to show us the ability and then he's going to give us the motivation. Look at verse 3. He says, for you have died. Notice the past tense. You have died and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. That Christ not only died so we could be forgiven of sins, he died so that the strongholds of sin and Satan could actually be broken. He, he died and he rose again to give believers the ability to stand up against sin. In fact, Scripture tells us it's because of his death that allows us to be able to pursue the right things and to think about the right things. And then he says, your life is hidden with Christ. That means... He's taken our lives and he's concealed them. He has secured them to know that no other opinion about you matters but his. That his is the only opinion that matters. That he's showing us the ability happens when we begin living for an audience of one that we no longer have to fear. And then he shows us the motivation for each and every day. In verse 4, he says, when Christ, who is your life, when he appears, you will also will appear with him in glory. That when our refuge life is over, we get to finally be home. And, and how encouraging is it when the days happen to remind ourselves this world is not my home. That the moment that Christ appears, his glory becomes our glory. And we will be able to see it and experience it fully. And so what Paul says to each and every believer, he says... Here's the top two things. And he says, you'll get the next one next week. But here's the top two. Here's what you need to know because if all this is true, pursue the right things. And he's saying, adapt a heavenly mindset. I love how Dale Ralph Davis says it. He says, our minds are most full of heaven when they are most full of Christ. And he says, think about the right things. Focus our thoughts on the right things. In fact, Earl Nightingale, a, a long-gone writer, says this, we become what we think about the most. And I think that is so true. And so here's what I want to do. We've got Paul's two coaching tips to pursue the right things, adapt a heavenly mindset, and think about the right things. So I want to give us a game plan. I want to talk about three quick Action steps. The first one is this. The most important thoughts of the day are our first thoughts. And this is something that I'm confessing to you I have so gotten out of the habit of. Of working hard to control the very first thoughts of my day. And so I started this past week after we got off the buffalo and 
I was telling Marlon this past week, I, I, I couldn't believe how that changed my perspective throughout the day of guarding the first thoughts of my day, of beginning them with Scripture. Or finding something based on scripture and, and looking at that and thinking about that. The very first moment of carving out of fighting for those very first moments of the day. That no, I don't have to jump on solitaire the very first thing I do in the morning. And then I look at our fridge. And this is what I see. I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My savior is my brother. Every Christian is my brother and sister too. Just simply taking something and the first thing is to set our minds on something beyond just us in this world. And my wife does such a great job of this all throughout the school year. In spite of me, I mean, she works so hard of carving out those moments for our family and our children before they head off to school. And what we don't often realize is the impact of those moments where we are carving out and fighting for the first moments of the day. And so what we did, we, I was telling Marla about this and we even started talking with it about our kids about, hey man, I did this and it changed. I mean, when problems would come, Man, I had truth ready for that. It's like God knew what was going to happen that day. Surprising, huh? So we're talking about that. And all of a sudden, and I don't remember exactly how this broke out, but we were talking about guarding and setting our first thoughts of the day. And yes, our children are at that age of social media and all of that. And Ophi had been following a young lady named Sadie Robertson of the, the Duck Dynasty clan. And she said Sadie was posting some, some videos of a lady named Priscilla Shire, the daughter of uh, Tony Evans. And all of a sudden, this happened. And so the thing is, you never know what can really happen. But you fight for those moments to guard the very first moments of our day. And we had no idea that was going on. But guard our hearts and minds for those very first moments. Not jumping on the email. You know, not trying to worry about what awaits us when we step into the office. But guarding and fighting for the first thoughts of the day. And so my challenge is this. Maybe you do this. Keep doing it. I'd gotten out of the habit badly. But if you aren't, start in the morning of guarding those very first thoughts. And give it 10 days. 
and see if it makes a difference. Well, here's my action step number two. He tells us to guard our hearts and thoughts. I think this is something we can actually get worse at as we get older. You know, we're really careful with our children as they're growing up and what they see and what they hear and what they listen to and watch and all those things. But it seems as we get older, we kind of loosen up on guarding our hearts and minds. So action step number one is fight for those first thoughts of the day. Be diligent about guarding and protecting our hearts and minds. And then here's the third one. Give yourself and others grace. You know, we can often become our own worst enemies. Man, we're going to have great days. Man, you're going to get up and you're going to fight for those first thoughts of the day. They're going to be centered on Christ and you allow the right planes to land like it's time for dessert and the wrong ones, you send them on. You guard your heart, our minds. You stand up against temptation, wrong and evil thoughts. But you know, we're going to have horrible days. We're going to wake up rushed. We're going to forget about Christ. We're going to allow the wrong planes to land. And we give in to all kinds of things. But I want you to know, church, there's still grace in those moments. God tells us his mercies are new each and every day. So my challenge to me, my challenge to all of us is to begin fighting for those very first thoughts of the day. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. If you have questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.